0: In verse 1, and shall we stand pleased for the reading of God's word? Jeremiah chapter 4, we'll read verses uh, 1 through 6. If thou wilt return, O Israel, saith the Lord, return unto me, and if thou wilt put away thine abominations out of my sight, then shalt thou not remove. And thou shalt swear, the Lord liveth in truth, in judgment, and in righteousness. And the nations shall bless themselves in him, and in him shall they glory. For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up the fallow ground, and sow not among thorns. Circumcise yourself to the Lord, and take away the foreskins of your heart, you men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Lest my fury come forth like fire, and burn that none can quench it, because of the evil of your doings declare ye in Judah and publish in Jerusalem and say blow ye the trumpet in the land cry gather together and say assemble yourselves and let us go into the defense cities set up the standard toward Zion retire stay not for i will bring evil from the north and a great destruction And so it's very interesting there in verse 1, he says, If thou wilt return, saith the Lord, return unto me. So a lot of people return from the error of their ways, but they don't return back to God. That's very significant. And then the the famous verse, let's look at verse 3, it says, For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground, and sow not among thorns. Let's pray. Our Father, we pray that you'd bless the message. We pray for uh, remembrance of what you've done in our life. We pray that you'd see our years of effort and struggle. Sometimes it seems in vain. We know it's not, for your labor in the Lord is not in vain. But we would like to see results. We pray for something to change in our preaching of the gospel something different, something powerful, and we humble ourselves before Thee, realizing that we can do nothing without Thee. But with God, all things are possible. We pray that Your Spirit would move mightily in our life, in our church, and in this sermon, and help us to remember the sowing and the reaping and the parable of the sower of the seed, and the incorruptible seed of the word of God, as it is sown, we pray that men would break up their own fallow ground, and that we intercede for them that you would do this work by thy sovereignty, by thy providence, and through the ministry of uh, angels and the power of the Holy Spirit. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And you may be seated. We know that God is omnipotent. That means He is all-powerful. He is sovereign. Nothing is too hard for Him. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We know that Jesus Christ came to save sinners Paul said of whom I am chief Jesus said if you follow me, I'll make you fishers of men if you're truly following Christ you're a soul winner you're after the souls of men and We know that he came not to be ministered unto to but to give his life a ransom for many Where is the power? Where is the revival? Where is the moving of the Spirit of God? Where is the conviction, the zeal, the power, the drawing, the challenging, uh, the correction, the rebuke, the instruction that we need from God? We know that God hasn't changed. We know that the Word has never and will never change. It's impossible for God to lie. Why have things changed? It's very simple. The hearts of men are very hard. They're very, very calloused. Not because of something beyond their control, the Bible plainly warns men, harden not your heart. If you have a hard heart, that's because you hardened your own heart. And all those out there that we're trying to win to Christ, the problem is their hearts are so hard, they need to break up the fallow ground. Now in the text, Jeremiah is preaching about judgment. The Babylonian invasion under King Nebuchadnezzar, it's soon going to happen, um, and he's warning them they've stolen the tithe, they've not put God first, they have violated the Sabbaths, they have turned themselves over to idolatry, they're in uh, polytheism, worshipping all these heathen gods, setting up graven images, and uh, so forth. But judgment's fallen. Babylon is going to invade. They will lose their freedom. They will lose their finances, their possessions, their family. They're going to be either killed or, sad to say, brought into Babylon for 70 lonely, homesick years And there's still hope. I remember Brother Howells used to say, judgment's coming, don't forget that, but it can be delayed. God's looking for a man to stand in the gap to make up the hedge so that the judgment cannot come as soon as it would have. And so Jeremiah says, return. And a lot of people have remorse. A lot of people have regret. Why? Jailhouse religion, they got caught. They don't like the circumstances of their life. They try to do this turning and returning. Very few people return unto the Lord with what? An about face repentance. Uh, I love what 1 Thessalonians 1 9 says they turn to God from idols. So, God's looking for a returning, a return to Him. Put away your evil abominations. Seek the Lord. And we have this result of the repentance that they will begin to say and trust in the Word of the Lord, the Lord liveth, and He will bless all that are His. And then it goes on to say, Break up your fallow ground, sow not among thorns, circumcise yourselves from your own flesh, assemble with the true saints of God. We need a solemn assembly and we need, excuse me, a turning to the Lord that so God can do what he wants to do. You know what the problem is? Hard hearts hardened, hard, hardened hearts. You go to funerals, very little weeping. If there is weeping, very few people are realizing what has just happened. A soul has entered into eternity. They try to justify it with things saying now they're in a better place. And we hope they are. Uh, their suffering is ended. But very few people are turning to God. You go to the The jails, very few people turn to God. You go to the prisons, very few people turning unto the Lord. You go to the nursing homes, very few people in their old age of of life, the golden years, are turning to the Lord. And it's a sad, sad day that we live in, the last of the last days of Laodicea. The hearts of men are so hard. And so remember what God did to Pharaoh When Pharaoh hardened his heart, God then said, if that's what you want, basically, I will harden it more for you. If the harder your heart gets and you turn from God, God may get so angry that then He hardens the heart even more. So in John 4.35, the Bible plainly tells us, lift up your eyes unto the what? Fields. The souls of men, the hearts of men are likened to a farm field, for they are white already unto harvest. And so when we're dealing with the souls of men, praying for the lost, begging God to do a work in our family, in, uh, in, in the world, in our community, you have this field, you have the plowing, you have the sowing of the seed, you have the watering, and then you have the reaping of the Of the harvest, and we have to ask ourselves where is the harvest of the souls? We sing the songs bring them in, bring them in, bring them in from the fields of sin. Ring the bells of heaven, another soul. Has been saved. And there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels over one sinner that repents. But where is the move of God, the reaping of the souls, the fruit that remains? One problem men's hearts are so hardened, they're so calloused, they're in such a condition that when the seed is sown, It hits this hard, brittle, baked, dry earth, and the birds of the air, the evil birds of the air come along and just eat it. It goes in one ear, right out the other. They forget what they heard almost as soon as they heard it. It means nothing to them. They don't consider where they're going when they die. They don't have a burden that they may burn in hell forever and ever and ever. They don't even care about the eternal souls of their families, their children. Why is this? Because their hearts are so hardened. There's a lack of production. There's a lack of uh, fruitfulness, so when we think about, biblically, the prepared field, they had to first of all choose a good piece of ground. Secondly, they had to do very hard work. If there were stumps, they had to remove the stumps. If there was some type of bushes or brush, they had to remove them from the field. And then they had to remove the large rocks so, and if you ever drive through the hill country, you can see I love to look at these old fences made of stone where they would take the stone and build uh fences around uh their fields, and then they had to move the smaller stones and After they'd done all this, very, very labor intensive work, they didn't have you know modern machinery like us, all done by the sweat of the brow. Then they had to plow the field, and they had to plow deep, and they had to have a sharp enough plow that was designed correctly, but the plow had to be heavy enough so that it would dig in, so that it would lift up the soil that was on the bottom, turn it over under the top, and after, and then only after that, was the ground ready for the seed to be sown. So, an untilled, an unplowed farm field will not produce very much at all. You know, I've, we've made this mistake. We have this uh, lightweight, two wheel drive John Deere tractor, and we, we put this little bitty six foot plow on there. And we would drag it across, and it would just scrape the top. Uh, it might have even gone, it might have got an inch or two, in, and you'd hear it, and, uh, it would, and you know, we'd, we'd adjust it, trying to change the angle of the the, uh, the discs, and it would just not break up anything. It, we couldn't plan anything. And then we decided we'll get a big old bulldozer with a ripper on the back. You seen those rippers? And we'd just hit that thing all the way and just turn it over that deep and uh we could grow some stuff and it would grow and god would bless it if it rained and then because we didn't own the bulldover bulldozer after a while what would happen sun bakes uh the what little rain we get would you know press it together and what would happen it was fallow again. It was hard. It was dry and brittle. Uh, couldn't get anything to grow except, you know, what happens. Everything you want to grow won't grow, and everything you don't want to grow grows. And so you go out to mow your yard. Where's the grass? Oh, there's a lot of weeds. Uh, that, that's uh, what happened because of the sin of Adam. And we all sinned in Adam, by the way. You know, I've heard people try to blame it on Adam. Well, uh, sad to say, we'd have done the same thing. So uh, this process, the land, the, it gets very fallow. We have to break it up. So I have seen dirt cloth. You know, I've seen it where it comes out loamy. We used to live down by Corpus Christi. Just loamy, deep black earth. earth, probably down where Miss cook list, and just churning and turn loamy and soft, fertile, productive, then I've seen it where it puts out dirt clods that big, big old chunks of dirt, and just fallow, and you have to go over it again, and then with a smaller disc to break that up, and this is a, a process that has to be done regularly. I mean, some farmers, I'm not a farmer, they might do it two times a year. I'm not sure. Before the planting, after the planting. And we need to be very aware of this because this is what the heart of a man is like. You're talking to them with the eternal Word of God, and it just has no effect on them whatsoever. Proverbs 21:4, the plowing of the wicked is sin. Plowing's a big part of life. Proverbs 20, verse 4: the sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. We need to get out there, we need to plow, we need to plow deep. We need to plow early. We need to plow late. We need to plow when we have a headache, when we have a stomach ache, when we stumped our big toe. We need to plow. And turn the ground over and pray for God to do a work in the hearts of the people. Luke 9:62. Whosoever taketh his hand to the plow and looketh back is not fit for the kingdom of heaven. So God likens a, an individual's life as plowing. The old preachers used to say, plow deep, plow, plow straight, plow long. Keep the ground churned and turned over. Keep your heart soft. Do not harden your heart against God. If you get under conviction, that's between you and God. Don't take it out on the preacher or life or somebody else because things aren't going your way. Don't get bitter. Just humble yourself. Realize God's trying to teach me something, Do not harden your heart. Very, very fearful thing. Deuteronomy 22, uh, the Bible says, uh, Thou shalt not plow in an unequal yoke. There's a lot of principles about plowing in life. Number one, have a resolve. Once you start, don't second guess. Don't rethink it. Finish what you've started. Next, separate only work and plow with people of like faith and of like mind. Uh, there's nothing worse than going soul winning with somebody who doesn't believe like you. I'm telling you. <laughs> I mean, it could be a member of the church, but if, the, if there's not unity, you need to have an equal yoke. Amos 6.12 says, are you going to plow on a rock? And this is what happens to most people. We're, we're out there going soul-winning, and, and it's almost like dragging the plow across cement. And you know that sound where the old fingernails on the chalkboard, that screeching sound. Or uh, remember the old metal rake on the sidewalk? Dad tells you to rake the grass, and your little brother or somebody got on your neck, "Oh yeah." You know, that, that, it's almost what it, it's like trying to go soul winning these days. Uh, and, and by the way, it's been like this ever since I got saved and it's been 40 years. So uh, if you're feeling sorry for yourself and things have really changed, it, it changed in the uh, early 80s. Actually, in the 70s, I got saved right at the end uh, the the hearts of men are hard, but God can work a miracle. So, if we have that lightweight plow, it's just going to scrape. You know, I don't understand these people trying to build a church through a program or a social uh, correctional th- type of deal, or they don't even have the Word of God. I don't know how or what they think they're doing, and it tells you those type of ministries and churches that are growing and booming without the Word of God, it's not a work of God. Because if the Word was being planted, you'd see some repentance. You'd see some born-again, life changing. All things would be new in the new creatures in Christ. So Pharaoh hardened his heart. God said, I will harden your heart. Let my people go. He would not And some of us need to go tell some people out there to uh, memorize, and we need to do it for ourselves. Uh, Deuteronomy 15, 7, Thou shalt not harden thine heart. Thou shalt not harden thine heart. If you read this book and you have a hardened heart, you better be very careful. If God convicts you about something, You better take it dead serious and seek the Lord and do what He's told you to do. If you harden your heart, that book is not going to have the effect on you that God wants it to have. It it will lose the power. It didn't lose its power. You just have a hardened heart. So Hebrews 3.8, harden not your heart as in the provocation. It provokes God to anger when his people harden their heart. Nehemiah 9, 16 said they had hardened necks. And if you notice, it works its way up. Hardened heart, seared conscience, deaf ears, stiff neck, and then it gets to the lowest, highest point, a whore's forehead. Jeremiah said, you have a whore's forehead. You have no shame. You have no humility. Look at the way you live and walk around uh, abominable in the sight of God. No conviction whatsoever. And where did it all start? They hardened their heart. Jeremiah 5.3, it says, they made their faces harder than a rock. Notice, hardened heart, stiff neck, hard face, deaf ears, seared conscience, Forehead. This is what we're dealing with. In Ezekiel 3 9, it says they were as an adamant harder than flint, the hardest of all stone that God made. And I think that's igneous, or is it metamorphic? Some geologists can help us out. The, The hardest of the rocks. So Let me just make some very simple observation. Now, this applies to us uh, in our walk with God and living by faith, and it applies to uh, soul winning as we preach the Word. So, a little bit redundant, but just to lay the foundation and remind you. Number one, the heart is likened to a farm field, ground, and that ground has a condition, and it's either soft and loamy plowed or it's very very dry and very very hard and so the surface of it you know we talk about I didn't scratch the surface or that didn't scratch the surface that's what's happening to the hardened heart uh it, it doesn't it's not even getting deep um penetrating and when God dealt with uh, Saul before he got saved and became Paul, he said, it's hard for thee to kick against the pricks, that pricking of the conviction in the conscience which is a gift of God and produces guilt so we'll know we're wrong so that we can learn and turn from it and turn back to God. Number two, every person has a responsibility To break up their own fallow ground. We read it right here. Break up your own fallow ground. So I have a responsibility not to let my heart get hard and to break it up and to turn it over and let God plow deep and let God turn it over and let God do the work in my life. Now, Is that a pleasant situation? Probably not. Probably painful to some degree to get your heart plowed and to get turned over. But I'd rather get my heart plowed rather than having a hard heart and praise the Lord later on than harden my heart. Number three, a hardened heart is not affected by the seed of the Word of God. It's, read the parable of the sower of the seed in Matthew 13. He broadcasts it. The birds just come, steal it. It doesn't have any effect. You know, you can talk Bible, you can pray, you can preach, you can correct, you can give advice. You can counsel, but if they have a hardened heart, it's not going to do any good. We've all talked to people like this. We've all seen it uh, our whole life. Families, coworkers, you know, they'll bring up the Bible. Well, what does the Bible say about that? And you go, oh, man, they're inquisitive. They might really want to know that. And you tell them, and then it's like, it's almost like it ricochets off. It, it just has no effect on them. And if somebody really believes it, they'll start really thinking about it it will sink it will meditate they'll meditate upon it and eventually it's going to change their life it's going to have an impact because the bible says we're born not of corruptible seed but of incorruptible by the word of god the eternal word which liveth and abideth forever so A hardened heart is basically worthless when it comes to the truth. I know that seems cruel, but it's just the truth. So this is what we're dealing with in our society. Now, in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 10, the Bible says we are to plow in hope. Plow, turn our own hearts over with hope. The blessed hope, the eternal life hope that God is going to come get us out of this thing pretty soon. We have eternal life. And then when we preach to others, I think a lot of times we're trying to sow the seed. Yes, that's true. Is there any, Have you ever seen those, uh, they got a plow, they're plowing and right behind it they have the seeder. So it's turning it over, it's seeding behind it, and then probably behind that they have something to cover the seed, and it's a multi-process. But when we do this, we need to plow in hope to believe God, have a good anticipation in eternal life. Now, God's going to, some plant, some water, God will give the increase, we, this is the ministry. The heart of men is the field. The seed is the eternal Word of God. The farmer is likened to a soul winner, and he that winneth souls is wise. And But God's going to have to germinate the seed. It's God who revives. It's God who resurrects. It's God who uh, does all the miraculous work. you know what the Bible says in Luke 13, if any tree that bringeth not forth fruit, it's hewn down, cast into the fire. And so remember the husband was there and the laborer, he says, wait, I think this tree has some potential. Let's don't cut it down. Let's give it some time. Let's dig around it. What does that mean? Break up the fallow ground around the tree. You know, your trees can die because of of fallow ground. It's so hard. I've seen this right beside the trunk of the tree. You water it. It doesn't even go in. It goes out. You know what I'm talking about. So you try to build a berm, a circular berm, maybe put some... wood chips in there to block the sun so when you water it the moisture stays longer and you turn it over and break it up and then it says dung it which means fertilize it water it give it a space of time to see if it will produce fruit and then what do we need to do pray for rain Uh, and we say that all the time if it doesn't rain How is the plant going to germinate without moisture to sprout, to grow to maturity, to have more seeds within it so that it can produce after its kind through the principle of multiplication and it will grow and multiply exponentially? We need to pray for rain. Now, this is what I was talking about. Even if you have a heavy enough plow, and you can turn it over that deep, if it's powdered dry down in there, you're just going to get a bunch of clods. (laughs) And I've seen it, big old clod turn over. And you try to walk out there, you'll almost turn your ankle. Not a loamy uh, farm field that looks very productive, but you need the rain in the earth deep. So when you turn it over, it's loamy and fertile, then you plant the seed, then when it's watered, something great will happen. Why does the Bible say, to Israel, break up thy fallow ground? Their hearts were so hard, no remorse, no regret, no conviction, no guilt, no pricking of the conscience, no turning to the Lord. And that's why he said, if you're going to return, return unto me. How many people try to return and not get caught again? I will return, but I will be a functioning alcoholic or drug addict. I will return, but I'll do it through a program or a correctional institution I will return, and it says they return, but not unto me. You have to return to the Lord with a humble, repentant heart. This is what we need to pray for others. And so, to conclude, I need to plow my own field, my heart, turn it over, break up the fallow ground. Every person is responsible. But here's what we've been praying for and talking about in our prayer meeting and uh, seeking revival, the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to pray and intercede. So intercession is when we pray for others for what they will not pray for themselves. They don't understand what they need. They're not seeking and turning to the Lord. So we, as we intercede for them, we go to God for them, and we we go to uh, them for God, as almost like a mediator uh, to pray on their behalf, because they are simply unaware of how hard their heart is. They are simply unaware of the horrible condition that they have allowed themselves to become, and. We need to pray for them that something will happen, that they will break up that fallow ground. And if they're not going to do it, God needs to bring in that plow and turn it over. Now now listen to this verse. He, Hosea chapter 10 verse 12, "Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till He come and rain righteousness upon you we're waiting on the rain we pray for rain all the time we need to break up the fallow ground why so when it rains we'll be ready you know I'm starting to think God doesn't want doesn't make it rain because nobody's breaking up the fallow ground God's not raining on people like he wants to and he can he hasn't changed he would have all men to be saved but the the hearts are so hardened. Um, you know, even now you drive. There's some green. It's it's like a miracle. I was telling my wife, how did that grass have even the color of green? I don't even see. I forget what rain is lately. Go out there and dig a hole, and just start digging, and you will hit hard, hard earth. Dig deeper. There's no moisture in the grass roots. There's no moisture two inches. There's no moisture you go a foot down. It's the most fallow, hardened ground. The nutrients are depleted. The land is almost too high alkaline. All these horrible things in the pH level. And we need rain God told me one time, water wells—they may keep it alive, but unless God Almighty makes it rain, you're not going to get the nutrients that you need uh, from God's intended way to uh, water the earth. And uh, Hosea 10:12 says, "You break up your fallow ground till He come and rain righteousness upon you." harden not your heart let not your heart be troubled or hardened as in the day of provocation let's pray for a miracle of softened hearts that's what we're doing let's pray for a miracle of a soft heart for who you're praying for who you care about let's pray that god would break up the fallow ground in our families our church A revival and in uh, Uvalde and in uh, Uvalde County. Amen. Break up the fallow ground. Amen. When someone will not help themselves, somebody who truly loves them has to intercede and help them. All right, let's pray. Every head is bowed. Every.